0: thank you for joining us if it's your first time. This is the Mindwealth Podcast, and my name is Chelsea. Get ready to sit back, relax, and unwind while we chat about all kinds of things. This week we are talking about psychotic disorders, and specifically an extremely rare, and in some cases not even validated, Alice in Wonderland Syndrome, or AIWS. Before we get rolling, I would like to put out a disclaimer that I have never personally treated anyone with this disorder, and I have no first-hand knowledge of the validity of what follows. This is just my research on a topic that I found extremely interesting. It's also important to note that AIWS is not listed in the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual. And while this book is kind of the Holy Grail to the psychology field, it doesn't always keep up with the times. Let's talk a little bit about why. Just think about the group who puts the DSM together. What if they were changing it for all the times that people wanted to present ideas? It would be constantly changing from month to month at times, and that would make using the book very difficult. But that does not mean it doesn't change, because the DSM definitely adds in new realized issues that our population is facing. And as a science-based field, it needs data to back up the claims, and a period of time to help discuss, decode data, and direct what conversations surrounding the new diagnostic criteria should look like. All in this to say, psychology is a changing and growing field that takes its time to try and get things right with the additions, subtractions, or changes in the DSM. Now, on to the good stuff. What is AIWS? What does it look like? And how does it present? It's hard to say exactly how all of these things work, because there are not a lot of cases on the subject. Only about 170 cases have literature about them from 1955 on. The main areas the syndrome affects are our ability to see correct sizes of objects, the correct size of our body, or the correct passing of time. We'll get more into what that feels like in a case study a bit later on. Some people have the disease as young as six. Some have said it runs in their family. Some say that it feel they feel the effects of it, but it turns out to be similar effects caused by something more common, things like migraines or encephalitis. It is difficult to figure out what really causes these issues with such convoluted data. It is important to note, though, that Alice in Wonderland episodes are not hallucinations, not things that you would see in schizophrenia. They are your brain visualizing a distorted version of reality. It can change how large or small you see yourself or the objects around you. It can alter how you feel time. And it can cause things to feel in constant flux, like things aren't right for some reason, and you can't quite put your finger on it. It's also important to note that these side effects won't actually cause you any harm in and of themselves. This might be another reason there hasn't been a lot of effort put in towards finding the cause or solution to these obscure and infrequent symptoms. How do you treat it? Well, honestly, since there's a lot we don't know about Alice in Wonderland syndrome, it is hard to really know how to treat it. Though most medical providers prescribe things to help relieve the underlying issues, which tends to help, there are a couple of procedures that are geared towards assisting in correcting brain malfunctions that have this far been really successful. But most importantly, Before anyone should undergo them, a lot of things need to be ruled out prior, as the cause of the distorted reality is important in finding the solution to fix it. The two types of more intense treatments to help combat distorted reality include electroconvulsive treatment or transcranial magnetic stimulation, and in the two documented cases, they have been found to help eliminate Alice in Wonderland syndrome altogether. Electroconvulsive therapy, or ECT, is a procedure that sends a jolt of electricity through your brain to stimulate brain activity. The individual receiving the treatment is under general anesthesia and is not awake during the procedure. This was previously known as electroshock therapy and is only used under very specific circumstances as it could be detrimental to your health. The depiction of ECT in many films is actually inaccurate to how the procedure is done today, but it wasn't always done that way. In the 60s and 70s, it was much more like the horror show version, until we learned more about how the brain works and how this procedure should actually be handled. Transcranial magnetic stimulation is a non invasive therapy, meaning that there is no cutting or piercing of the skin in the process. It is a process of placing an electromagnetic coil against your head and sending magnetic pulse to attempt to stimulate different parts of your brain where neurons may not be firing as readily. In most cases, This treatment is used for major depressive disorder, but in the case of one AIWS patient, it stopped the distorted reality completely. In many cases, Alice in Wonderland syndrome happens when an individual is younger, between 6 and 14 years of age. And it resolves without too much issue. The episodes are short-lived and happen infrequently, but more often during the night, which is part of why we don't have a lot of information on the syndrome as a whole. We haven't had a lot of people to study, and we haven't had a lot of time with the syndrome in the cases that we have found. And secondarily, in many of the cases that have been studied, in adults and kids, the Alice in Wonderland syndrome was brought on by other issues in the body. Now let's talk about a specific case, with Lisa. She had Alice in Wonderland syndrome since she was a small child, and it got worse during puberty. Her symptoms have lasted a lot longer than most people with Alice in Wonderland syndrome. She has found it to impact her daily life a bit, but not to the extent where she doesn't feel like she can still live it. Her symptoms included feeling lightheaded and not feeling quite right in the world when she was younger. Like everything, it was a bit off. She occasionally had to stop and sit with her head between her legs for a time until the feelings passed. Infrequently, they caused her to pass out. As she got older, however, those infrequencies turned into a lot more. When she was 14, things really started to take a turn. Her occasional and infrequent symptoms turned into daily occurrences. Her family brought her to the doctor, and they ran tests, and they asked a lot of questions. Lisa didn't feel like anyone was taking her seriously, and she wasn't even telling them all of the things that were wrong. How could she open up about the weird stuff if they wanted to blame everything on stress or eating disorders? She closed in and stopped telling anyone anything anything about her illness, and she started living a very isolated life. It wasn't until one night when she was finally coaxed out of her shell at a party. A romance began. While her partner knew about the issues she faced, and she still didn't have a diagnosis for it, it led to complications in their relationship, and eventually altercations. She was hungry all the time because her food wasn't being digested properly, because the cross signals in her brain just didn't let her feel full which turned into her gaining a lot of weight. She became uncomfortable in her skin, and her partner didn't help. It wasn't until Lisa had gotten through the breakup that she'd built up her confidence enough to seek out actual help. And while 99.9% of the time, googling your symptoms will lead you down the rabbit hole of nothing good, this time it landed Lisa a contact to reach out to in neurology. She finally had the courage to tell the specialist the whole truth, including all the parts she felt were crazy, and he took it all in. After she finished her story, he simply said, You've got a special form of migraine that is flooding your brain with the wrong kind of chemicals. Those are causing you to feel and see those strange things. After naming Alice in Wonderland Syndrome, finishing the appointment, and going over various types of treatments they might try, including diet changes, Lisa finally had an answer. And while it wasn't an immediate fix, it at least gave her peace of mind and hope that she was taking steps in the right direction. It gave her some control back over her life. And while Alice in Wonderland syndrome is not something that you are likely to have, Lisa's story can remind us why advocating for ourselves is so important. If something is keeping you from living your life fully, seek out help. We know when something isn't right in our bodies, and we can continue to speak up and ask questions and seek other opinions until we find solutions that work for us. These solutions may not always be exactly what we were hoping for, but they give us a place to work from. So keep fighting for yourself. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I've enjoyed our time together. If you want to join me again for another chat, you can keep your eyes peeled every Wednesday for new episodes. Feel free to follow me at mindwealth on Instagram if you'd like to get to know me a little bit in the meantime. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.